Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Welcome back. Beautiful Sunday out there. Fantastic skies. Great climate. Uh, boy, what more can we ask for? Oh, yeah, we have a full board, too. So that means we'll get right to the phones. As one's gone, one's available. As blinds, that is. Cheer up. You can give her a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Uh, Roger in Sun City. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yes, sir. I have a uh, lime tree that's uh, three, four, five years old, I guess, and uh, it seems I'm losing it. I had a big branch that died mm-hmm. and dried up, and now the other day another big branch on it died and dried up. And It's been producing uh, a lot of limes, but all of a sudden it seems like it's, uh, it's dying. Is there some special reason for that? Do you think? Yes, Roger. It's a bear's lime, and a larger type lime, and that's their lifespan here in the desert. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to have a lime that'll last a lot longer and and be a lot more prolific, uh, plant a Mexican lime and one with thorns, or you can plant another bear's lime. But about five to seven years, how long a bear's lime lasts here in the desert? Oh, okay. Thank you very much. So don't worry, it's nothing special. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Bye bye. Uh, Dan and Chandler, good morning, Dan. Good morning. Uh, I have a Texas mountain laurel that I planted about. I don't know, three years ago, and it's a couple feet tall in the pot. Uh And there's three of them, and I want to transplant it, so I just want to know uh, when and uh, what part of the yard I would plant it in and not kill it. You know, they're a pretty wonderful plant, Dan, as far as well they'll grow. They'll grow in full sun or part shade. Um, You know, they grow a little slower here, but they can make a decent-sized tree up to 15 or 20 feet, but usually are, you know, maintained 6 to 10. Um, Okay. You can put it at pretty much any exposure. Uh, It it can, you know, it can take the heat being on the west side of a wall where most plants won't. Uh, If you're going to put it there, I would probably wait and plant it in October. Uh, Anywhere else, go ahead and plant it today. All right, so not the spring, then. This time of year is good, then. You can plant any time, huh? All right, other question. There's three good stalks in there, and my my mother-in-law would like one of them, and I'm afraid if I try to tease them apart, I might kill it. Should I just... Your, mother, your, your mother-in-law gets one or all. I mean, she either gets the whole plant or, yeah, because they're not, it's not going to split very easily. And, and you well, are, just plant the whole thing. Plant and the whole then, thing. And just, and if gotcha. it's your mother-in-law's house, plant it there. Come over. we got plenty more. They're not that rare. Exactly. <laughs> all right, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Karen and Casa Grande. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Dave. Um, Dave, you can call me Fred or I'll call you Jill. This is actually Brian. How are you? I, or, I'm sorry, Brian. I used to know a Dave Whitfield. <laughs> um, the the moon was beautiful this morning, too, before the sunrise. Oh, yeah. Almost full. Um, I, I talked to you last uh, year about keeping my Bermuda um, alive all winter, and mm-hmm. it did really well. And, uh, and I, I only had maybe four weeks of brown Bermuda. Um should I, I, it's about three inches tall right now and lush because mm-hmm. we've had so much rain. Do I need to scalp it, cut it down, put my um, pre-emergent on it, 
now. Well, the, pre, um, the pre-emergent would be a good idea. And if you're thinking about it today, go ahead and put it down now. Uh, aside okay. from that, you really won't need to scalp it or cut it down. You can leave it for, you know, all the way to the, uh, through the winter season. The best time to really scalp it and thin it out would be like in April. So aside from okay. aside from really thinning in April, put a pre-emergent on it this time of year, and that'll stop the winter weeds from coming out. You know, and if you if you keep it a couple of years like this, you probably won't even need the pre-emergence anymore. Um, but you might want to use it one you know one more time this this fall, once in the spring, okay. and that'll probably be the end of you needing any pre-emergence. And then the other main care for it is you might mow it a little bit shorter here in the next couple of weeks, and, and kind of maintain it a little shorter for the winter time. But aside from that, uh, nothing special. It's fairly dormant, you know, normally from November till February and doesn't really require any fertilizer and far less water. And um, then kick on kick it in the spring. Okay, so no fertilizer now, just the pre-emergent? No, in the fall, this would be a good time. Actually, it'd be good to kind of cut it short, let it start to come back up, and before you mow it again, uh, go ahead and feed it, and that'll give it plenty to grow on for the next eight weeks while it's still growing actively. Okay, okay, and it was really pretty. It's good advice because it stayed pretty almost all year long last year. Thank you, Dave, Dave, again. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Bye, Karen. (laughs) Bye, Jill. (laughs) Have a nice day. Oh, hey, Mark and Chandler. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. I was going to call you Dave, but I'll call you Brian. <laughs> call me Gary, hey, uh, Fred. I don't care. Ed, Ed, Eddie, Eddie, you know, my middle name's Edward. You call me Eddie. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Eddie. Hey, uh, I'm loving the weather. We're loving the weather. We really appreciate your show, and we really like your nurseries. Just wanted to say that. Um, I have a couple questions. One is, I've planted a series of slim bottle brushes as kind of a border along our, our back wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've grown them up and I've, I've kind of trained them up using, you know, poles. And is it okay to top those off at a certain point and then they'll grow, they'll t- tend to grow out more? Yeah, they'll, they'll spread wider. I mean, you know, they, they are growing that cultivar is, you know, Hence the name, a little narrower than a lot of them. But if you want it to spread and bush more, you can top them and they'll fill out and grow wider. Yeah, because right now, actually, I've got got some of them that are like 10 feet tall. Oh, yeah, they, they get pretty. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful and they attract a lot of uh, a lot of uh, hummingbirds and everything. It's really nice. Um, another question I had was apricot. I have an apricot tree. And the apricot tree was doing fine. I plant, we planted it earlier, actually, in the springtime, and it was doing fine. And then during the summer, the leaves started turning kind of brown and shriveling up around the edges. Um, and nothing seemed to, you know, I fertilized it. Um, we watered it. But it's still got this effect where it's, it's uh the leaves are kind of turning brown. Some of the leaves are turning brown, but then other new leaves are coming out. Well, and, and it should, you know, as the weather that. breaks, like, you know, especially with the weather we're having right now, uh, they, you know, it should kick back in and grow some back this fall. Uh, typically, browning on the tips can be a sign that it's getting a salt burn. How do you water it, Mark? Um, I've been soaking it, you know, where I'll, I mean, we, we have it on a drip, but mm-hmm. then like once uh, every couple weeks, I'll, Put a slow. I'll put the hose on it and, and really soak it. Okay, you know to kind of drive with your, with your drip. How often are you running it? Uh, a couple times a week. Okay, 
Probably doesn't need that much now, but uh, you know, a couple times a week shouldn't hurt it. You might try a light dose of like iron chelate this time of year. Okay. Okay. Just give it a little shot of iron, and uh, with the weather changing, it should pick back up. Have you fertilized it all this fall? No, not yet. I mean, it's, and that's I guess another really good question. I mean, we we have a whole we have a bunch of citrus trees we've gotten from you guys. We've gotten a bunch of different kinds of trees. We bought the bottle brush at your nursery on most of the fruit trees we have because we have an apple, apricot, peach. Is now a good time to fertilize? Everything now is the perfect time for the citrus. And, uh, you know, I haven't really looked at a forecast. I've been so happy with the weather is the last couple of days. Haven't looked forward. But, you know, our days are getting shorter. So somewhere here in the next week or two would be a good time to fertilize the stone fruits, too. If it's going to stay under 100, you know, it, it would be a great time to fertilize the peaches and all those things as well. Okay, perfect. I'll go ahead and do that then. Hey, thanks very much for the thanks, advice. Thanks, Mark. Really and I appreciate, appreciate you coming and seeing us. Have a nice weekend. You, too. Bye-bye. Uh, Susie and Tempe, good morning, Susie. Good morning, Brian. <laughs> Can you hear me? Very well. Okay. Um, I have a palm, and I it's one of the smaller ones, but I think it's, is it Sago? Okay. That's a very common one. Oh. And uh, what I want to know is how to stop the little shoots from coming up. I keep cutting them down, but of course they return in a very short period of time. Can I spray those with something or is that well, you're, you're better or? to dig those little bulbs off, okay? So if you go down to the trunk and you're going to have to dig down in the soil about five or six inches where they attach and, and cut those oh. off, okay? But if you cut them off, oh. the, once you cut them off, those are gone. Now, they may generate some more over time, but um, but it, you know we're talking several years to grow any more new ones. So if you'll just dig down and cut them off, then they'll be gone. Okay, I was hoping it would be easier than that. <laughs> well, well, when you dig down, okay, when you dig down and you find the little bulbs that are there, you know, you don't have to, if you cut them in half, they're still not going to come back out. But you don't have to okay. cut them all the way off, but you at least cut them in half and stop the growing, you know, heart of them or else they're going to come back. Okay, well, some of them got pretty pretty big, so they look like they have a pretty good root system in there. Well, and they can get pretty big, and then you can give them to your friends, and you say, you know, what a wonderful you know, friend you are, and you put them in a little pot and give them their own little segment. <laughs> and pass them on. Okay, all right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Susie. Bye-bye. Have a good day. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we've got four lines available here at the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. The number to call for Sarah is uh, 2602-277-5827-277-KTR. You can be up after Michael and Scottsdale in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We'll see what uh, Shira's up to with the music here in a moment. We'll be right back. Still don't know what I was waiting for And my time was running wild in the wind and streets and Every time I thought I had got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse Of how the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test change Strange to change it is. Don't wanna be a 
the size But never leave the stream of warm and permanent sand So the days float through my eyes But still the days seem the same And these children that you spit on as they Try to change their worlds Are immune to your consultations They're quite aware What they're going through Turn and face the strange Well, welcome back, folks And, uh Boy, if this is just not changed for a while We have skies like this What a beautiful morning it is We got a couple lines open, though So let's let's change that Let's call Shira At 602-277-5827 277-KTAR Michael and Scottsdale, good morning Good morning, Brian crazy that song's 50 years old <laughs> so good today yeah. as it was yesterday and we can remember so, when it was new yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm glad to see upright hey um so i had a couple of thousand feet of bermuda off my back patio which we've let die out i've had too many problems with it over the last couple of summers and so we did nothing with it this year i've got just a big old patch back there. And what I want to do is do some desert landscaping, but I'd like to put in about a thousand feet of rye. Um, Mm -hmm. Listening to you, it seems that I can have grass back there most of the year and um, with the rye versus the Bermuda. Um, So I've got a little bit of spurge back there now, and I'm not sure what killed off the Bermuda. Would I, would it be good to put down some of that Monterey disease control before I seed the rye? No, I don't think there's any reason to. You know, pretty much uh, the nice part about ryegrass is it's pretty immune to most of the soil funguses and doesn't have much of an issue with those. So you can pretty much seed the rye anytime you want to now. Uh, maybe mark out, change some irrigation heads, limit your area going to water, and uh, go ahead and seed your rye. And um, you can do it now or you can do it a month from now. Any suggestions? I mean, should I put down any kind of topper first or can i just throw it down on the dirt that's there and then put a little soil on top well i mean if if you haven't if the soil's you know in rough shape you might want to build up the soil first you might throw it even rake in some gypsum you know and if you wanted to be really nice you could do that with some uh like malargonite fertilizer and gypsum kind of little gets little something the nutrients in the ground to start with and then come back and just seed right over the top of that cover it with a little bit of topper and uh it's pretty amazing ryegrass will almost grow an asphalt parking lot you know it'll come up with just enough and if it's going to tie a little root into it'll be fine and uh go from there what do I do with the spurge that's there now? Forget about it. You know, the thing about the spurge is there now. It's already there. It's seeded. If you wanted to go out and just spot spray it and kill it first, you could uh, spray it with like a 2,4-D product. But you have to use that when the temperature is below 85. So you'd really want to be very careful and mindful. Do you have any shrubs and things much around it? Uh, some purple sage i've got around there yeah so what's not the, yeah i can i can i can keep the lawn where i want to put the lawn away from any of the bushes well when you're spraying in the 24d that's what kills the spurge we'd be gone would be one brand name uh you just want to be real careful and follow the label and you really shouldn't use it when it's over 85 degrees okay okay terrific thank you thank you have Bye-bye. a good weekend you too uh george and phoenix good morning 
Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Excellent. Thanks for asking, sir. Uh, hey, I was, I self-taught myself how to clone uh, Arcatillos. Uh-huh. And uh, then I went to one of the nurseries, and I learned how to clone other things. Self-taught, you know, I did it myself with some other help. Well, we all get by with a little help from our friends, George. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the experiences I've had in the nursery industry have been wonderful, and I've had the ability to uh, run to a lot of fine folks who have taught me a lot of things, and I still have a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, last Christmas, before Christmas, I went down to see you, but they said you were busy, and you. so I, I take it you were delivering pine trees, huh? Well, you know, we we run quite a season, and Christmas time is about our busiest because we have the nursery, and we have Christmas trees, and we have our citrus packing. So, yeah, December, yeah. December is probably our busiest month of the year. It used to be that we, before we started selling kids Christmas trees 34 years ago, December was the one month we got to kind of slow down and have a little reprieve, and, and that was <laughs> after we got out of the uh, selling the citrus at the fruit stand in front of the nursery Glendale. But, you know, those things have all changed, and uh, we've made ourselves even busier. Yeah. Well, I just called to say have a good day, and it's a pleasure listening to you. Well, George, thanks for being part of the program and call any time, and I'm glad you're having fun propagating things. You know, it's something yeah. that I started with my grandfather when I was like five years old, and I've always loved growing things. Hey, I've seen on the news, uh, uh, Ruth uh, Whit- Whitman was killed in a uh, uh, shooting? Any relation? Uh, no, not that I know of, no. Okay. All right, George, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Bradley in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Um, I have a uh, terraced vegetable garden along the back of my uh, backyard, and I've been trying to keep ants out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they made it in this year. So uh, do I need to worry about that really? Or, well, it depends on I, what, what variety of ants. I mean, some ants can be very detrimental. The large ants, uh, large black or red, the harvester ants, they'll devour your whole garden. Um, yeah, so. they, these are just tiny ants. Tiny black ants. Well, and there's the black ones, and there's our black native southern fire ant, which pretty is pretty aggressive, and you probably just wouldn't want to deal with in your garden. I'd recommend you bait them, and uh, you know, and eliminate them now before the garden season really gets going. Yeah, I've uh, I've been trying to keep them out using an Amdro bait mm-hmm. outside the garden, but I didn't want to use anything inside the garden. Well, and you should be able to do that. I mean, that's an attracting bait, so it, it should work pretty well outside the garden. I mean, you don't have so, to. If they're coming from, you know, close by, you can put it outside the garden. It should work fine. Okay. Okay, very good. Thank that's, you so much. That, that's what I would do. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brad. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, John in Northeast Phoenix. Hello, John. Good morning, Brian. Uh, my neighbor had a had a, uh, a large, uh, I think it was a, a ash tree cut down two years ago, and uh, it was cut down and ground out ground out the stump. And they have a uh, about a five foot in diameter bare spot that the Bermuda in our grass does not want to grow. Nothing wants to grow. And there any suggestions? 
Um, well, you're probably it's probably all where the tree was all ground. It's probably just all built up with sawdust underneath. So you might want to mm-hmm. dig out that sawdust and take it away and add some soil back in there. Probably would grow things a lot better. Okay, that's a good idea. I have another question for you. I have a Mineola tangelo, which I bought from you guys a long time ago, and it looks very sad, very sad. It's all dried out. Is that anything like a, like a lemon tree where I can cut it way back and it'll grow back? Absolutely. You know, and, and um, how's the wood look on the trunk, John? Oh, the wood looks fine. Okay. So if the but wood looks fine. It dead, yeah. But if you want to cut, cut all the dead out of it and cut the tree back and, uh, you know, if you want to foregrow the crop that's on it right now, you could actually do that right now. If you're going to do okay. that now, what I would do is take the larger limbs, you know, ones that are mm-hmm. like three inches. And when you cut those, I would seal those up with like the tree seal, the black type, tar type. And then okay. if, if the wood's going to all be exposed to the sun on the trunk, go ahead and paint that with like the tree trunk white. Or you can get the natural color, you know, the mm-hmm. tree trunk paint and paint that. And then let it bud back out. But, um, you know, if you can leave some foliage on it, it's going to come back a lot faster. You don't want to cut it sure. completely to where it's bare. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, really say somewhere here, if it's not going to be over, you know, 100 or so, it wouldn't be a bad time to prune it back heavily right now. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Take care, brother. You too. Well, it looks like uh, Heidi's slipping in on us again. She's going to come and light us. Good morning, Heidi. Welcome to being uh, so, so wonderful having you here. You know, I show up with Heidi and Sheer. I got the ladies team now. And we'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show after we hear from the ladies and find out what's happening in the world. In the meantime, you can give Sheer a call at 602-277-5827-277. KTAR. Jack makes good whiskey. Red dirt makes good riding roads. Country makes good music. For kicking up dust in a tail light glow. Dry wood makes good fires. Good years make good swings. All that's all good, but for me. Oh, come on. You're just in love. We can, we can hear it back there, Shira. <laughs> that is quite a song. Welcome back, folks. We've got four lines available. Number to call for Shira, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Next up, Elaine in North Phoenix. Good morning, Elaine. Yeah. Uh, hello. How are you doing? I'm so glad to hear you on the radio this morning. <laughs> Um, I have a question. Uh, I have a pear tree. Actually, I bought two of them, and they've been in the ground for probably about six years or so. One of them is a um, just a regular Bartlett pear. The other one is supposed to be a red Bartlett. Uh-huh. Uh, the red Bartlett one, I think the actual tree itself died, and what I have coming up is rootstock now, and that thing is I decided to let it go mm-hmm. just to see what would happen. So the rootstock tree is now like 
probably about 12 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, can I graft to that? <laughs> and also, I'm wondering what that rootstock is. Um, you know, um, pear, pears are usually on a pear rootstock, but you, you'd, you know, to graft onto it, what you would uh-huh. want to do is, is cut it, you know, way down, like to the ground almost, let it regrow uh-huh. so you have small enough things that you, you can graft with those. You can do a, a vertical graft where it's like an inner wood graft, or you can do a bud, like a June bud. You can bud it in June on the new growth, um, or okay. you can do a patch graft. So there's three different ways to graft uh, pear trees. But um, Yeah, because I hate that if the root system is probably awesome because it's um, really large, but um, I thought, well, maybe I could salvage it by grafting it. Um, well, you're going to start. You're going to start with the yeah, with the size of the tree all over back from the ground again. And the difference with pear trees between those and like peaches and and you know plums and those types is pears live a lot longer. You know, so pears yeah. and apples you can grow for a long time. Um, so yeah. you can, if you want to graft it, you can. You know, and, and what you'd want to do is just butcher the tree down to the ground. You know, grow up maybe one or two more new, brand new, fresh shoots and graft into those. Okay, very it's probably good. too large to graft into the main trunk. What well, main trunk's what, three or four inches? Um, the main trunk is probably about, uh, I'd say about three inches across. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be too large to graft into um, okay. at that point. So if you want to make it something you can graft into, just cut it down and regrow it. And, okay, uh, very good. Way you go. Okay. All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to let you guys know is people in uh, my part of the valley, they don't seem to understand to put their animals away at night we've had coyotes come in um and they attacked my chickens and took out uh one of my chickens so um please just please um people put your animals away at night um because they're killing uh feral cats which you know um and they're coming into the city so well, we've, 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 got, we, you know, we've got quite a few, you know, around town, and especially uh, coyotes. And uh, the other one that could be pretty detrimental around, too, especially with chickens, are raccoons. Yes, and, uh, I know we have had the raccoons, and we also have a sighting of a fox in our area. Well, the foxes, um, are, are, the foxes are kind of special because they don't usually hurt the chickens as much. The foxes uh-huh. are going to feed more on rats, and so they're kind of our welcome yeah. friends, you know. But but the right, uh, right. But the coyotes, you know, they're going to feed on whatever. They're pretty opti- opportunistic uh, hunters, and uh, right, you know that little that little hen that's outside that's our pet and our friend uh, tastes good to them. You know, we've uh, yeah. We've had oh, our well, fair share of animals around the nurseries that uh, some are pretty unwelcome at times. Yes, yes. So I just had to let people know. Well, thanks, you know, Elaine. Protect your critters. All right. Happy Have Sunday. A great day. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Tom up in Camp Verde. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? Excellent, sir. Good, good. Well, I've got a. I'll get kind of right to it. I, I've got about four a, four acres that uh, go along the Verde River up here, and it's just oh, we feel glorious. so sad for you, Tom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I moved out of Phoenix twenty six years ago to get up here to this glorious property. Oh, your so, timing uh, was gonna, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably, it really probably was. got a pretty good deal on it as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't even like to say it. Uh, I people get mad at Tom. me. <laughs> But, it, we, you know, it's really green up here right now, obviously, uh, with the rain and, of course, the river um, along the banks and different things like that. But I have a unique tree that seems to be unique up here that is really a big, beautiful tree. And I can't – all the neighbors want to know where I got it. But it was here when I moved in here. 
and it was full grown then. It's a Tennessee tulip tree. Hmm. Are you familiar with those? Oh, I'm not by that name. Yeah, that seems to be the problem. Um, and nobody has them. I can't find them anywhere. I wonder if it's a Chicago. Order, uh, What's that? I wonder what it really is. Let, let me see here. I, I, actually, this is the first time I've, in, in 35 years, this is the first time I've looked up something on the Internet while I'm in the air. On the, on the air. But, uh, <laughs> I've been listening to you for those 35 years. <laughs> That's a long time. Uh, let mm-hmm. me see if this will tell us what it is, if it will give us the botanical name with a short notice. Uh, no, this one's not going to do it fast enough. Uh, that's why I usually don't do it. I'm, I'm so slow. I mean, I, I got that senile old man problem. I'm not very fast on there. But anyway. Uh, yeah, well, I'm right there with you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. It's a Laredendron one, American Tulip. No, it's. So My is, family's is been it, buying trees from you from the 1940s, by the way. <laughs> Does it look like a cottonwood type tree or a sycamore? What's. No, 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 it doesn't, uh, either one. And in the spring, it puts off tulips that have an orange center and green, uh, really, uh, you know, the flowers. Mm-hmm. Orange centers, then to a yellow, then to a green, hmm. all in the same flower. Yeah, so it's, um, and I can see the little old gal on the on the video here, but she's not giving me the botanical name. But I don't think it's one that's common in Arizona. I'd be more aware of it. Um so we would have to do some research on that one. And I'd be happy to do that this week. I could make a few phone calls. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is McMinnville, Tennessee, is like the nursery capital of the eastern United States. And they grow a lot of trees. But um, they also, a lot of their plants can't be shipped to Arizona because they have certain pest restrictions. And um, so gypsy moths and different things that keep them from being able to ship here. But anyway, let well, me I don't go. know how they got it here, but that was it was a good move. It's a beautiful tree, and it's a wonderful, wonderful shade tree. Um, but the other question, I well, I was I had further questions if we went uh, further on that tree. But uh-huh. uh, my other thing is, is my I, we have uh, cherry trees, all kinds of fruit trees up here. But the June bugs love the peaches. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do I need to just cover that tree, those trees? That's kind of the easiest, the way they collect in clusters like that. And this year, I've never seen, you know, we haven't really seen June bugs in the valley for a long time until this year. And uh, with the with the monsoon the way it was, there's a lot more June bug, you know, population than I've seen in a long, long time. Do you have them every year up there, Tom? Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. So, you know. Well, we have water. We have water. Well, you know? yeah, you're right there in the river, and it's just 15 degrees cooler. I mean, why what, why not live there? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got beavers and everything. We got <laughs> more critters we know what to do with. Um, but, you know, that, uh, that that was the big question was on that. I'm sure I'll have some further questions on future calls. You know what, but, and on the June bugs up there, what I would do is call the U of A Extension Service. You know, they have a northern Arizona office up there. And you can call mm-hmm. it, it Mesa if you need to get a hold of them that way, but they'll they'll give you the guys up there. And the ag agents are really good. You know, the state of Arizona uh, Cooperative Extension Service is fantastic for different regions like that. And they may have a June bug control idea that's more local up there that might work very well for you. Well, other than that, Brian, I appreciate it. I do want to invite people up here. It's gorgeous. Uh, we don't know how long the Verde River will be around. Uh, we hope it's around for generations, but with the Colorado River, you know, adjustments and that, we don't know what pull is going to be from here, but uh, we're concerned, but it's beautiful now, so 
Well, you know, the, 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 the nice part about the Verde River is a lot of it's managed, you know, with with Arizona and uh, with SRP. And uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty good at restricting uh, new draws, you know, wells that are going to draw it down. And, and I do have pretty good faith in the Arizona Department of Water Resources and the Salt River Project. You know, they're really out to protect that uh, that Verde. And, um, you know, some of the rivers in Arizona aren't so protected, but that Verde River is probably protected as much as any and well-deserved because, you know, as populations grow up there and water needs increase, uh, we like to see the river run free and, and run water down into the reservoirs. And, uh, you know, it's so special to have a monsoon year like this one to see the Verde run the way it has been. From your mouth to God's ears, let's keep it up. All righty. appreciate you, Brian. Well, that's all we can do is, you know, there's there's a certain amount of things that just happened to us that uh, were way out of our control. But it's this monsoon year, you know, really the, the water year for Arizona has been good. You know, the difference is, is when we grew up here, there wasn't the CAP and there wasn't about three or four million people. So, you know, our water needs are changing and, and we just have to manage them. And uh, I, I think we can do so. One of these days, you know, we're going to have to be like our our ancestors and some of our ancestors here, the forefathers here in the Americas who, you know, dug our canal system down here with little rocks in Phoenix and put in hundreds of miles of canals. I don't think I don't think it's that hard to dig with our machinery we have today and management we can do and bring some Mississippi water to Arizona. Oh. I, I, I think it's you know, all doable. We talk about that all the time, Brian. That is a, that, you know, several years ago, they had offered that to the administration and they declined it. If we had done that then, we wouldn't be worried today. Well, there were some older gentlemen here who uh, left me in charge of some paperwork, you know, a few years ago that uh, was going to bring water, you know, over the Rockies in Colorado, uh, the north end of the watershed up there and and that's real doable and the water is still real doable you know out of the mississippi and the thing about it is is that you know any any farmer that wants to go farm his crops has to dig a ditch to take the water where he needs it and there's no difference if we're going to dig one 1200 miles if we're going to dig one 12 feet well it's funny you talk about irrigation systems because we own one we service 190 people up here it's not our main job but it certainly keeps our family busy because we have almost 200 families dependent on flood irrigation off the Verde. And, uh, you know, we keep them all green and grass healthy, trees healthy, horses, cows healthy, everybody healthy. But it's a big concern because we draw off the Verde River, which we have the water rights to. Uh, but, you know, we're highly concerned about that because there are so many families that really depend on that up here. Absolutely. And uh, like I say, we're, we're, we're a little envious. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful place there. And uh, glad to hear you're doing a fine job managing it. Tom, thanks for the call. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we've got Mike and Scott still. But first, we have to take a short break. And after Michael, we have wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Some have said down through history, if you last, it's a mystery. But I guess they don't know what they're talking about. From the mountains down to the sea, you become such a habit with me. America, America. 
Folks, this beautiful Sunday morning. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. At Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continuing today for four generations. All kinds, all sizes, from citrus trees to Swan Hill fruitless olives to beautiful ashes, elms, and pistachios to mesquites, ironwoods, and palo verdes. Palms of all sizes. We have uh, date palms, Mexican fans, California fans, mule palms, sago palms. If it's palms, we probably grow them at Whitfields. No job's too big, none's too small. If you need a tree for your yard, want to come pick up a beautiful 15-gallon, we've got them. If you're looking for something a little bigger, a little faster, we've got trees all the way up to 72-inch boxes, some of them 30 feet tall. Our original store with my grandparents' Adobe House is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 2647 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can visit our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a mile south of Interstate 8. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Back to the phones, Mike and Scottsdale, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Boy, am I glad you guys took a break. I couldn't follow the environmental questions. I'm just talking about Lantana. I don't know. <laughs> wasn't very fair. You guys are talking about saving the world, and I just want to know how to, how, when and how should I, uh, like, my Lantana have spread out, uh-huh. and I, I, I've seen ones where they're grown in, like, giant balls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When can I prune them, and how do I prune them so they've, uh, grow up instead of out. Well, Mike, it depends on what varieties you have, how they're going to grow. There's a lot of different genetics to lantanas. There's spreading ones, which like are the yellows, and there's trailing yeah. ones, which are the purples and whites, and then there's bush ones, right. which come in a plethora of colors, and there's dwarfs and big ones. Uh, what color are the ones you have at home? I have some. I have yellow, and then I do have the trailing purple ones. I like those. I do have a yellow and the orange, the bright orange ones that... Uh, kind of a solid orange? 
Yes. Okay, so those are those are what we call spreading varieties. So if you want them to grow uh, taller, it's well, you can grow them into a three foot shrub pretty easily. You know, just okay. just prune them, prune them heavily right now. You know, this is the perfect time okay. to prune lantanas and bougainvilleas and these desert flowering shrubs because you've got about six or eight weeks for them to grow pretty fast. And then the growing season's over. So if you want them to grow tall, just cut them in narrow. Don't take the top off, and uh, do that right away. And uh, then what you'll want to do is prune them probably again in about a month, but just keep them pruned that way next spring. And you can easily make those orange and yellows or golds into, a, you know, a, a two to three foot shrub. Oh, perfect. I just want a little bit of height. Not, yeah, not it's, it's not up. hard. Okay. Just just come through and prune the sides, and today's a nice day to do it. And uh, perfect time of year to prune them right now. Okay, and they'll come back for the winter, or they'll be like... Oh, no, they'll, 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 they'll be perfect. perfect. And then you know, that's why now is the perfect time, because we've got about you know eight weeks of good growing weather still. And that being yeah. said, you'll get a lot of growth over the next eight weeks, so that way they'll be perfect, and they'll look well-pruned and very attractive for the whole winter season. Perfect. All right, Brian. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, Sean and Glendale. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. I enjoyed the show, Brian. Thanks for being part uh, of it. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I planted some ficus columns on, on the uh, east wall and south wall at my property, about 15 of them. And the one on the south wall are doing great. They've almost grown together. They've been in the ground about a year and a half. And But the ones that are on the uh, east wall facing the, the the west, they're doing terrible. Oh, okay. So they're, they're, they're on the east together. wall of your house, but they're the west side of the wall. So what you really want yeah, to do get, with those, Sean, is you're going to have to really get them in good shape, uh, you know, this fall and next spring. Because they're, they're going to take extra water and extra fertilizer to protect themselves. Are they still pretty full all the way to the ground? No, they're not. They, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're actually burning. A couple of leaves are burnt, like get burnt and crisp. And I water them as deeply as I do the other ones. They're just, they're just getting scorched. Well, they're going to take more water than the other ones because they're growing in a whole complete different environment. And once they get large enough, what's going to happen is they'll shade the wall and protect themselves. And that's going to make a big difference. Um, What I would do is I would probably make sure that they're well watered right now. And about a week from now, I would fertilize them with like citrus fertilizer. In fact, you could do it with ficus. You could do them right now. Just go ahead and fertilize them with some citrus fertilizer right now. Kind of follow the instructions for citrus, okay? Treat them like they were citrus trees. And make sure they're deep watered once a week. Where do you live in Glendale, Sean? What cross streets? Uh, Up the 101 and 71st Avenue. Okay. Yeah, so you got pretty decent soil up there. So, you know, weekly watering deep, okay? So that means each one of those, were they 15 gallons when you put them in or what size? Yeah, 15. Okay. So you want to give each one of those about 20 gallons of water once a week. And fertilize them right now. And uh, don't be afraid to fertilize them again in the middle of uh, October. Okay. And you want they, and they should start to come out and grow pretty fast. They should grow a lot between now and the end of October. Uh, as the weather gets down and stays below 100 and the nights are, you know, are like in the 60s and 70s and uh, even in the 80s, they're going to start to grow pretty fast. And we're past the real threat of 110 stuff now, I hope. And so that's sure. what, that's what harms them. But if you can get enough growth and foliage on them between now and next May, they'll flourish in the summer as well. Okay. And, you know, I saw online where some people have had talked about maybe wrapping the, the base of the 
tree? Well, if the trunk's exposed to the sun, you know, you can certainly wrap the trunk just like we do with citrus trees. And uh, uh-huh. until the ficus get, you know, full, full enough to protect themselves, that would be a good idea. And you could do that with okay. like a cotton fabric. It'd be the easy, like some old bed sheets and just rip it into a three inch strip and you could staple it into the bottom and wrap it up the trunk and staple it back in the top. The staples won't hurt a thing and make it fast and easy to put on. And anything you do to protect those trunks. Are the trunks sunburned now, Sean? No, they're not too bad, but you can just tell. I mean, it's night and day to where the other trees are. Well, it is because, they're, you know, it's the difference between growing up in the shade and the west side of the wall where it's 150. Hey, I'm going to put you on hold and give you some more information off the air. I'll take everybody else off the air. Appreciate all the calls today, folks. Hope you enjoyed the program. You know, it's 21 years ago today. I can remember sitting at home with my wife. I was I, I don't know how I got to leave that late that morning. I said it was 6 o'clock our time, and we watched the 9-11 events unfold. But the thing that, uh, that that was most remarkable is how we came together as a country, how we loved each other, respect each other, and acted as one in helping each other after those events. And uh, that's why I like to play that Well and Jennings song today. This is a beautiful country with a lot of diversity, and that's what makes us strong and special. And respect for each other is what's going to make us succeed for generations to come. Have a nice Sunday. We'll be back with you next week with the Whitfield Street Garden Show.